Thank you so much for joining us today and listening to a PCF podcast. We believe listening to the Word of God will change your life. God bless you as you continue listening to this podcast. Treasure. Have you ever been to the beach and uh, you see one of these guys and they've got these long sticks and they're walking around looking for treasure? Have you seen that? Uh, I saw a YouTube video this week. Uh, and there was a guy, and he actually found a ring buried in the sea sand, dug it out, and they reckon it was about 100 years old. It was encrusted with debris and sea sand stuff, but they jet washed it, and they cleaned it, and it came up beautiful. He found some treasure. So I've got a question for you. How valuable are you? Priceless. Uh, anyone else want to take a go? At I thought if I had to imagine across the room someone's sitting here thinking, worthless, I feel rubbish. I kind of screwed up this week, so not that great. Uh, some, some people who don't have a problem with their egos will say priceless or, <laughs> or amazing. I, I, I'm reminded, though, that the devil has come to lie to us. He deceives, he puts thoughts in our minds, Uh, he's a trickster, he tempts us, he blinds our eyes, and he puts thoughts, these messages in our heads, and he tells us often that in our heads we're worthless. He'll tell us these lies inside our minds, and and, you know, you're British, so do you know what you think it is? You think it's humility. I'm being humble. I think less of myself. It's a Christian attribute. No, it's not. You need to read the Bible. You see, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It might be thinking less often about yourself, but it's not thinking less of yourself. In fact, true humility is actually believing what God says about you rather than what you think about you. That's true humility. You say, Lord, hey, you're the expert, not me. I'll believe you. I'll listen to what you have to say. So we think things in our heads. Oh, I'm not good enough. I hate myself. I'll never amount to anything. I don't do this very well. Uh, God will never forgive me for what I did. Uh, God doesn't answer my prayers, and God definitely doesn't love me. Those are lies, these messages that the devil's putting in our heads. What are we to do? For the last couple of weeks, I've been showing you what I believe God has been saying. We have to do three things. Can you remember what they were? Number one. Number one, right, we're going to go back to a couple of weeks back. We're going to re-preach this. Number one, you identify what the message is and say, hey, devil, I see you what you're doing. You're trying to tell me I'm rubbish. You think I'm not a treasure. You think I'm, I'm worthless. You, hey, I'm not going to just buy that. So number one, we identify that coded message, that enigma message that is coming into our minds. Number two, we replace it with what God says about that message. Your brain is telling you you're rubbish. What does God say? So we get our Bibles out, we're going to have a look, and he says in, his, in the Word, hey, you're precious, you're amazing for me. Okay, so that's number one, identify, number two, replace, and thirdly, you stand firm. And the Bible says when you resist the devil and you stand, he has to flee, and he runs away. And do you know what? When it's late at night, when it's dark and it's cold and you're feeling pain, that's when you believe the lies of the devil the most. That's when you need to phone a connect group leader and say, talk to me. I've got lies happening in my head. This is what I'm hearing. 
And I don't believe it's from God. Phone your pastor. Talk to someone. Find a faith-filled person to talk to. I want to ask you again, how valuable are you? Well, let's have a look and see what Jesus says. There was, in Matthew 13, verse 44, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid. And for the joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Here's a parable that Jesus is talking about, provoking a little bit of thought and comment. And uh, the traditional view would be that oh, Jesus is that treasure, and we need to find Jesus. And when we find Jesus, then we must get, let go of things and follow and pursue after him. And if you Google it, that's what you're going to find. That's one interpretation, but I think it's incorrect. I'll tell you why. Because you found the treasure. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says Jesus found you. While you were yet sinners, he died for you and he found you. You didn't find him. He found you. Number two, you bought him. You buy Jesus. I'll have some of that. Oh, what's the cost going to be? Uh, do I have to give up my Sunday mornings? Oh, just give up my Sunday mornings so I get Jesus in return. That sounds like works to me. That doesn't sound like grace. And just by the question, uh, another, how much is enough to buy Jesus? Does it cost you just Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights as well? God forbid he actually asked me for some money. That's the, I'll draw the line there. So you're going to buy Jesus? So this can't be the correct interpretation of that verse. Well, I started to look at it and guess what? Jesus actually says what it is. <laughs> he actually tells us in the Bible. So I added verse 38. I left a little gap, so I'm going to put in verse 38 for you. There we go. The field is the world. Jesus is going to explain it. These are his words. In my Bible, they're written in red. I can't put red on the screen. You wouldn't see it very well. The field is the world, and the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field. So these a field, the world, and inside the world, there is treasure, which a man found and hid for the joy. And he goes and finds, sells all that he has, and he goes and buys that field. When God created mankind, when he created the earth, he put us on the earth in the Garden of Eden, and he asked us to look after the garden, to tend it, to look after it, to develop this garden, to bring it to its full potential, and that we did. Adam had the perfect relationship with God. He enjoyed God's company, and he was productive, and he put himself to good work. However, here's where the story turns nasty. The deceiver came. The liar came. Satan himself came. Slithered in, he did. And he says, hey, I want to tell you, Adam and Eve, I want to tell mankind something. And he starts to speak. Now, we know, because we've been in church for the last three weeks, and we've been listening to Wayne's sermons and paying attention and making notes and writing down so you know point one is identified. Point two was in... Don't laugh at me. You... I'm not going to change my sermons. I think I'm going to re-preach a lot of them. He slides in, and he starts to say, Psst. Did God say, or let me put it in English, the reality is, the truth of the matter is, God's trying to keep you down. He's trying to squash you. He's trying to keep you and suppress you. God actually is undervaluing it because you, if you ate that fruit, you could actually be like God. You're worth more than that. You know your rights. That's discrimination. Stand up for yourself. Stop being pushed around. 
I won't go into any more of these social comments that have been floated around on the internet, or else I'll be censored. <laughs> but am I right? Is those the thoughts that the devil is putting out there? What's he wanting to do? He wants to get the Adam and Eve out of the kingdom of God into the from the light to the darkness. All with a promise, you can be something better. And he's lying to you. Remember, everything the devil says is a lie, it's deceit. I want to tell you something. The field that this parable is talking about is the world. When Adam goes and moves from light to darkness, he hands over power to the enemy, to Satan. And now Satan becomes the god of this world. Adam committed treason. And gave his responsibility to look after this planet to Satan by believing. He partnered with Satan by believing those lies. He started to reproduce and it was harmonious with what Satan was saying. I don't know if any of these buzzwords mean anything to you. If not, go and listen to the sermons for the last couple of weeks. The field is the world. Well, what's the, who's the man? Who's that man then? Well, ask yourself the question. Uh, who would sell everything and give everything for a treasure? There is only one man that can come to mind. Not so. And his name is? Jesus. Come on. His name is? Jesus. Help me out here. Yes. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. The Bible says we are redeemed, not with incorruptible seed and not things like silver and gold but for by the precious blood of Jesus, who is like a lamb slaughtered without blemish and spot. Jesus himself says he came to seek and save. Seek, seek, find that was lost. Come to me, all you heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus himself, and Paul repeats this to Timothy, says he gave his life as a ransom for many. Oh, Jesus is the one who found a treasure in the field, and he gave everything for it. He was so excited about finding that treasure. Now, let me just tell you something. If you a Jewish person, you'd understand that if you found treasure in someone else's field, it instantly belonged to the owner of the field, not you, even if you found it. Not this keeper's, what's it, keep, finders keeper's, Lupus, no, no, not that one. No, no, no. It belonged to the field. So that's why this man had to go and buy the field. Then he had a legal right to own this thing. The joy, it says. The Bible says in Hebrews that for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross and despising the shame. For the joy, he went and found you and he found me. Jesus was looking for treasure. Well then, obviously I've said it numerous times, what is the treasure that we have? Again, I want to ask you, how precious are you? Are you a treasure? Do you consider yourself a treasure or a burden? Do you consider yourself valuable or indispensable? Can God do with you or without you? It's got quiet in you. Somebody say amen or something. Preach it, brother, or something. Come on, help me out here. Let me tell you exactly how valuable you are. Because you are the treasure. Jesus found you in a field, saw you 
in that field and says, hey, I want that. That's worth having. I'm prepared to sell everything and give up everything for that treasure. The Bible says he loved you first before you even knew him or loved him. He loved you. The Bible says he gave his very life for you. The Bible says that when he left the earth and he went back to heaven, he actually didn't, he didn't, he didn't send you alimony money or compensation. He didn't send you an angel. He sent God himself, the Holy Spirit, to be with you, to look after you, to keep you safe until he got back. That's how much he loves you. He gives us gifts, the Bible says. And just by the way, while he's away, he's building you a house, somewhere to live. Not just any kind of house, a mansion. Now listen, listen, listen. I live in, I live in a lovely house. It's really nice. But I've looked on Google and I've seen some royalty, what kind of houses they live in. My entire house is the size of their living room. They have rooms within the living room room. You know, it's like three, four sofas all in the living room. He's making us a mansion. He's spoiling us. You are that value. He says, I value so much. I'm prepared to make you a mansion. He's provided healing for us. He's provided us, according to Ephesians, every spiritual blessing. He's actually even adopted us into his family. But here's the thing. He doesn't go and say, hey, everyone, let me introduce you to my foster child. He calls me his son. He calls you a daughter. He owns you. He, he, he doesn't, you're not different from Jesus. You're family. Jesus has gone up to heaven. He's so much family that he even says, hey, Wayne, there's a seat here. Come sit next to me. What? Oh, by the way, did I tell you he's King Jesus? I'm sitting next to King Jesus. Can I help you? What do you need? Should we give it to him? Yeah, come on, you can have that. You don't give that kind of position of honor to someone you don't value. While we're down here on earth, he's given us good works to do, good things that we can do. And while we're living on this, uh, this world, we can live in light and we can live in peace. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I mess up. And when I mess up, he says, oh, Wayne. Don't worry about it. It's sorted. The blood that I shed on the cross will cover that. That's sorted. I'm not even going to punish you for it. <laughs> what? No, surely. I was a bad boy. I need to be punished. I need to be rebuked. I need... No. He says, I forgive you. I love you. Yet we want to punish ourselves. Because it seems a little bit too good to be true. That's how much he loves you. Think about this. If you were the only person on this planet, no one else, just you, just you were here, you know that Jesus would still come down to earth, die on that cross just for you. Only you. He did not die on the cross because he was going to get millions of Christians. He died on the cross just because of you. But God, if you knew me, why? Why would you? You're a treasure, Wayne. I want you. I get so excited, so excited when you wake up in the morning because you want to spend time with me. I love seeing you there. I love chatting with you. 
God loves you. He goes and he sells all that he has and he buys that field. Now remember, he had to do it the right way, the legal way. If he broke the law, that treasure wouldn't be legally his. He had to do it the right way. The devil is a liar, trickster. He's a tempter. He blinds people's eyes and he deceives us. Did you know that he, even the devil, Satan, tried this with Jesus? Did you know that he did? He even tried speaking to him, putting thoughts in his little coded messages. Well, the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 4 how Jesus was in the wilderness walking around there and being led in the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, not into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. He was in the wilderness being led by the Holy Spirit. Let that sink in for a second because the Bible says when he prays, Our Father in heaven, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. He wouldn't lead you into anything. The Holy Spirit doesn't lead you into that. Get your doctrine straight. Anyhow, he's in the, in the wilderness. The devil comes and tempts him and says, Hey, Jesus, if you're the Son of God, hang on a minute, just a couple of days before, Jesus was being baptized in the Jordan River. The Holy Spirit comes down as a dove and hears a voice says, This is my beloved Son. And what does the devil do? If you're the Son of God. If in the head. If <laughs> you're a fake, prove it. If you were, you would take this rock and you would turn it into bread because you're hungry, mate. If, when you were a good Christian, you wouldn't have a little bit lacking in your home, you'd have even more than what you got. You'd be driving a better car. You'd have a better job, Wayne. If you were a good Christian, you would have this. If, Wayne, come on. If, Wayne, you wouldn't have been sick. You wouldn't have that sniffle. If, Wayne, and he's putting thoughts in Jesus' head. He comes back a second time, Satan does. And he comes to Jesus. Jesus, if, well, why don't you just jump off this cliff and kill yourself? Hurt yourself. Come, let's see if you were really, God would send angels to come and save you and catch you because you wouldn't want, he wouldn't want you hurt. Come on, if. What's he saying to us? The same type of thing. Hurt yourself. Kill yourself. Self-harm yourself. Cut yourself. Punish yourself. Walk around in morbid clothes and look all sad and dreary because you're not really loved. You're not really cared for. If Jesus, Satan comes to Jesus a third time, and now he gets really rough with him. He says, because now remember, Jesus has come to this field to buy the treasure. He wants the field to get the treasure. And Satan knows this and says, hey, listen, if you will just come and bow down and worship me, I'll give you the treasure. Hang on, but that's compromise. That is not doing it the legal way. The legal way says he had to buy it. So Satan's trying to get into compromise. In your head, it keeps coming in. If you will never achieve that goal, that thing that you really, really want to achieve, that ministry that you so desire, you'll never get there. But I'll tell you what, if you'll compromise a little bit and do this and this and this, I'll make sure that happens. And you're going to try and gain something the wrong way. If. Jesus has listened to my sermons, not like the rest of you. 
He knows, number one, you identify. So he says, hey, devil, I see what you're doing here. I can see you trying to put thoughts in my head. I identify that. Number two, he goes and replaces it. He says, wait a minute, I'm going to replace it with the word of God. And says, it is written. And then he says, now I stand firm in that. And Mark chapter 4 verses 11 says, he resisted him and so devil left him alone. And angels came and he ministered to him. If Jesus himself needed to identify, capture and replace and then stand firm, so do I. Don't believe his lies. He's trying to tell you, you're worthless. What you compromise to win, you will eventually lose. Because you're not doing it God's way. He had to buy that treasure the legal way. Nick, I'm looking at you nodding. (laughs) God's law says this. God's law says this. Couple of laws. Jesus had to do this the right way or he could not have the treasure. These are God's laws. God's law in Isaiah 59, the Holy Scriptures, verse 2 says this. Sin separates you from God. Romans 3, verse 23 says, For all of us have sinned and been separated from the glory of God. Romans 6, 23 says this. For the wages of that sin, the punishment of that sin, being separated from God, is death. We have to die. That's the spiritual law. We deserve to die. We gave up. Adam gave up right in the very beginning to Satan. And now we are all falling under his trap and listening to his lives. We deserve to die. But Hebrews chapter 9 says, Without the shedding of pure holy blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. That means when Jesus stretched out on the cross and died and shed his holy sanctified blood. He paid the price legally for sin and redeemed that field so he could own the treasure. Philippians 2 chapter 8, law says, Jesus became obedient to death, even the death on the cross. Now we are justified by his grace through the redemptive power of Christ Jesus our Lord. And Hebrews 9 says, Jesus entered into the holy place before Almighty God, not with the blood of bulls and goats like they had in the Jewish tradition, but with his own blood. And having presented his own blood, he obtained eternal redemption. And now we are sanctified by the blood and the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. There's just one catch I've got to tell you about. I've just got to tell you this one catch. This one little secret that I haven't mentioned. There's one principle. You can't have it just by default. Not everyone, all the treasures in the field, instantly get to heaven. You have to do one thing. You have to believe and receive this free gift. It costs you nothing. That's all. Well, it's got to be more than that. No, 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 it's not. It's as simple as that. You just have to believe that Jesus did die on the cross. He is the Son of God. And that His blood does wash you clean. That's all. That's all you have to do. 
and then instantly that treasure, you are Jesus' treasure. And you can spend eternity with him. That's all you have to do. Apostle Paul, in his writings in the Bible, he recalls this. He had divine revelation from Jesus Christ, and he says, For I received from the Lord Jesus that which also I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, Take this, eat it. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. On the table there we have little cups. And if you peel off the, the top layer, you very carefully lift up the top portion, you're going to get this little wafer that represents the body of Jesus. It's only representation. It's not real. It's not really his body. It's just a, it's a picture, word picture for us. It's an illustration, an allegory. They beat his body. They broke it. They crushed They whipped him 39 times. They kept on beating him, whipping him, so that we could have healing to our body. So I take this, and I eat and say, thank you, Lord Jesus. Healing's my body. Because the Bible says, a spiritual law says, by his stripes laid on Jesus, I am healed. Body, mind, soul, spirit, I'm healed. And all I do is say, thank you, Jesus. I believe it. But Paul the Apostle carries on, and he says, in the same manner, Jesus, after supper, he took the cup and he said this, this covenant, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. You see, it's not the old covenant where we needed to cover sin with blood of bulls and goats. This is a new covenant of Jesus' blood that was presented to the Father that is holy and pure and is eternal, that lives forever. So even though Jesus died 2,000 years ago, his blood still remains active and alive today for me. Drink this, he says. In remembrance of me. Now, this this juice is just what rabina juice or grape juice. It's, it's nothing fancy. It represents, though, the blood of Jesus. And I say, Jesus, thank you. Now I'm free. <laughs> thank you that you bought me. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm I'm worth something. I love you, Jesus ends with this last verse for as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup and you take the bread and drink the wine you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes I've got the last two questions for you just two, two thoughts you proclaim until he comes who are you proclaiming it to and number two what are you proclaiming you better think of that. Who are you saying it to? Well, you could be saying it to God. Yeah, yeah, you could. But he already knows it. He invented this. So I don't know if it's really for his benefit. I, I most probably would benefit from saying it to myself and reminding myself. Hey, self, 
don't believe those lies. Identify, capture, replace, and stand firm. But I want to tell you, it's even more important to tell the devil. Devil, I see you. I identify what you're doing. And I want to tell you because of what Jesus did. Hey, you're a liar. This is what my confession is. You are wrong. I am not rubbish. I am not worthless. I am precious. Jesus died just for me. He's given me a hope and he's given me a future. He's coming back to fetch me. When he does, he's given me a brand spanking new sexy body. Well, Claire thinks so at least. He loves me so much. Devil, you take your thoughts, you take your rubbish and you go, I resist you. And I stand in that. Devil, I, Wayne Lawrence Wilson, I am a treasure. I am. I am. (laughs) God so loved this world. I've done it differently today. I've got a table here and we're going to just worship the Lord for the next. Hey, we've got 40 minutes, Leonie. I'm not asking you to, I'm not forcing you row by row. As you feel led, if you would like to come and just say thank you, Jesus. And if you would like to proclaim, <laughs> devil. You think you made me sick. I got news for you. I'm getting better. I got news for you. I'm getting out of that sick bed. I might be lying in hospital right now, but I'm going to get better because of the blood of Jesus and by his stripes I'm healed. I think I'd just like to profess that. Hey, devil, you wanted to put negative thoughts of suicide, self-harm and doubt and depression and anxiety on me. <laughs> I'd just like to tell you, I got the mind of Christ. God so loved this world. He sent Jesus just for me. Oh, come on. Who wants to sing that with me? At your leisure, over the next 20 minutes, you're welcome to participate. There's no pressure to. There's no pressure. The only one condition to participate is you have to believe that Jesus died on the cross for you. If you don't and you go up there and you take the emblems and you, you don't believe in Jesus, you're making a mockery. And the Bible says some really nasty things will happen. We don't often preach that, do we? But he says some of you will be sick, weak. You might even die. You don't want to do that. Don't, don't pretend. Come up if you really want to. I'm not making it easy just putting it under your seat today. I want to declare, devil look, I'm free. Devil look, I'm free. Take your lurgy and go. Take your sickness and go. I'm free. Come on, stand with me. I'm free. Jesus, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Come on, let's celebrate Jesus, shall we?